are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview. And this week we are previewing three races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. Big weekend, Las Vegas. As you mentioned, all three of the NASCAR Top 3 Series uh, plus, we get a little bit of a sneak peek at, uh, at Phoenix, if you will, for the Arkham Menard Series. Yes, uh, Arkham Menard Series is going to be uh, racing next weekend. And we will spend the first half hour giving a few updates uh, about the Arkham Menard Series. At 8.40, though, our guest comes on board, and we will chat with him. He is the ARCA driver of the number 35, Greg Van Alt for his own team, uh, will come on board and uh, chat with us a little bit about his race at Daytona, as well as uh, what uh, he's thinking about for the rest of this season. So definitely looking forward to uh, catching up with Greg Van Alt at 8.40. At 9 o'clock, Jay and I will talk about the uh, Camping World Truck Series race at Las Vegas. Uh, and then at 9.20-ish, we'll get into the Xfinity Series and then the Cup Series at 9.40-ish. So uh, looking to send 20 minutes each on each of those series. Uh, it's going to be a huge weekend. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. I know Tommy's going to be joining us. Uh, I haven't heard from uh, anyone else yet, but uh, if I do, I will certainly let you know, Jay. But looking forward to Hot Topics tonight as well. Well, I know Tommy uh, obviously seems to be enjoying it. He keeps coming back, uh, hoping maybe Owen can be on it for his first time. I know that Andy and Mike, the two regulars, uh, with their schedule, the flying schedules and whatnot, haven't been able to. But, again, we got a, mm-hmm. a group chat that we can uh, still share their thoughts and opinions. Yes, indeed. Uh, Owen will definitely be on with us next Monday night. Uh, but uh, for right now, I'm not sure about tonight. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menards uh uh, these guys are not racing this weekend, uh, but as I mentioned earlier, next weekend, not only is it the Arkham Menard Series that's racing next week at, at uh, Phoenix Raceway, but the Arkham Menard Series West is having their season opener in conjunction with that race. So it's going to be two different points-paying races, uh, one for each of the series, with it being the season opener uh, for the West. That will be televised on Mass TV, so fans will be able to watch it that way. If you don't have Mass TV, then you'll be able to watch it uh, uh, live streaming, I believe, on TrackPass. So uh, definitely check out this race because it's going to be a good one. Uh, there'll be quite a few cars that are entered. You might even see uh, some of the Xfinity Series drivers uh uh, signing on to that race. So I, I think it's going to be a fun one, Jay. I do. I like that. It's a combo event for the Arkham Menards and the Arkham Menards West Series, as well as then again in conjunction with the NASCAR Cup Series and Top 3 Series being out at Phoenix as well. So, again, you do see a little bit of that crossover 
through some of those events. So should be interesting. I know we, I haven't seen the uh, entry list yet, so we'll have to wait and see until next week Thursday's per, uh, preview before we get a full entry list. Yes, and check your local listings. I believe today is the day that they're doing the replay or the um, delayed broadcast for the race that was at Five Flags Speedway last weekend, and uh, that was a really good race uh, for fans to try to tune in. I did see earlier, uh, I've got 4 p.m. Eastern listed on my book here, but I did see some people posting the 11 o'clock tonight. So uh, check your local listings and make sure you've got the right time uh, for your area to check out that race as well. Okay. Now okay. The you, you got you got, lo- go you got lucky, Sharon, there. I thought I thought I was going to have to tell you I had to go. I was busy, but it, you're right. Here, uh, central time zone, it's at 10 p.m., <laughs> uh, so 11 Eastern, so I set the DVR. So I'll stay with you. <laughs> okay. Good news. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Uh, so that means we got to get our hot topics done. Um, okay, so here's the thing. With uh, the ARCA East, uh, they will be racing next in May. So there's going to be a little bit of a break there for the East. Uh, there will be no racing for them uh, the rest of this month or for the month of April, but you can look for them to be back on track May 8th at Nashville Fairground Speedway, the Music City 200, uh, will be uh, raced there. And uh, that is available for live streaming on NBC Gold Track Pass. So uh, you'll want to definitely tune in for that. And then for the Arkham Menard Series, uh, the next Sioux Chief Showdown race is May the 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at Toledo Speedway. That race will be broadcast on MAP-TV, so fans will be able to tune in there to see the first Sioux Chief Showdown event on May the 22nd. So uh, some great racing coming up here. Yeah, and I know the West Series has to be excited again. It's their first uh, first event a combo with the uh, West Series. And I really thought, uh, you know, I guess I didn't look closely enough at that schedule that the Phoenix race was one of the Sioux Chief showdowns, but you said that starts at Toledo. So the West and then the Arkham Menards, they're coming into their second race as well, uh, just really getting the season rolling. I know this the Arkham Menards series schedules are a little more spaced out uh, with not as many events. But uh, for the West, I know they got to be pumped up, ready to go as it is their first event. Absolutely. Uh, keep in mind, too, that the Arkham and Arts Series does have a couple races before that May event. Uh, they'll be racing in addition to the race at Phoenix on March the 12th. There's also the Talladega Super Speedway race on April the 24th, and then the Kansas race that will be taking place on May 1st. So uh, then you go to that uh, Super Chief um, Showdown, and uh, Super Chief Showdown, and that will uh, take place on May the 22nd. So uh, a lot of racing to look forward to here. Uh, for the West, let me look at their schedule here real quick uh, because I think they have some more racing in between here as well. Oh, no, after they race at Phoenix in March, their next race isn't until June 5th at Sonoma Raceway. So definitely uh, a big break there. Uh, for the Arca West before they race after this race at Phoenix. So you know these guys are really looking forward to this event. 
Well, and I know we hear from Sal every week, uh, and we saw the cup schedule get altered. The West, the California uh, specifically, uh, their schedule, they're having to work very diligently and hard. I know uh, Sal talked about the the fans not being able to return there. Hopefully by that time we see some change uh, with the vaccine and everything that we can see some fans return to the tracks that they're going to be attending. Yes, indeed. That would be uh, big and huge uh, for that area to be able to do that. And so we've all got our fingers crossed that uh, this all goes well, everybody gets their vaccine, and uh, we'll kind of uh, begin our steps of getting back to kind of a normal routine here. Okay, now coming up next, uh, Jay, we do have our guest that's coming on board. He has his own uh, team, Great Ben Alt Motorsports, And he is going to be uh, coming on board here at 840 uh, in just about a minute or so. And uh, you might remember we talked to him last month about racing at Daytona International Speedway. He was really looking forward to that. It was kind of a dream come true opportunity for Greg Van Alt. Yeah, super excited to get to talk to him again. I know you got him set where he's going to be a regular uh, once a month. Uh, I think that is going to be so mm-hmm. cool to be able to uh, keep updated with him throughout the year uh, on a monthly basis. Yes, indeed. Now, he didn't have the race that uh, I think he was hoping for. Uh, he, he got involved in a crash. Uh, imagine that at Daytona International Speedway, getting involved in a crash that is not of your own doing. <laughs> So, well, you know, that's always possible everywhere. It's part of racing. But, uh, unfortunately, Daytona, your super speedway is certainly more apt to be that way. Yes. But uh, I think it was so good for him to get that opportunity to race on the track. Uh, and, you know, there's another super speedway that's coming up, and that's Talladega. So I'm kind of anxious to talk to him to see if perhaps he's going to be racing at that track, another super speedway. Uh, before uh, for his next race. I'm not sure what his next race is, uh, but, of course, we will talk to him about that when he comes on board here. Well, hopefully so. Like you said, the the experience of being there, and like you mentioned, it was a dream. A, a driver's dream is to race at Daytona, uh, see how he just feel, feels about that as a whole and the experience of coming into Daytona uh, to start with and go from there. And it'd be interesting to find out what the plans are for the season. Hopefully he'll be able to fill us in a little more on that. Yes. And just a quick programming note, uh, next Monday night, that is March the 8th, uh, we will have at 8.40 p.m. Eastern time uh, the race winner of that Daytona race on Fan for Racing Radio uh, Corey Heim will be joining us that night. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking to Corey uh, about that race at Daytona as well. So we've got a couple of people here from the Arkham MR series that will get a chance to talk to them about that and the upcoming Talladega race. <laughs> well, I love, love that this year we've been able to do that, especially on our Thursday night preview show here to get some of these Arthur Menard series. And, you know, Monday night we got the winner's winner's circle, if you will, program. Um, But to get some of these other drivers on to help preview these races throughout the season. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure where Greg is. 
So what I'm going to do is, uh, if you if you want to go ahead and go through the series standings of the top ten in the Arkham Menard series, I'll see if I can't find out what's going on. All right. Well, you mentioned Corey Heim was your race winner, so that does put him atop the leaderboard. Uh, Drew Dollar come home second place, four points back. Brett Holmes minus seven. Ty Gibbs minus eight. And we know what he also is capable of as he picked up an Xfinity Series win. Kyle Sieg, another of the family name we're going to see coming through in the fifth spot. Those are your top five finishers. Uh, six on back through tenth. Derek Lancaster, Tanner Gray, good run there. Andy Jankowick, this is my pick. I think we're going to see some more of him. Jack Wood, and then Sean Corr, and that ranges back to minus 14 points. Again, only one race in the books, uh, and Arca Series does some different things for the pole, the General Tire Pole Award, as well as uh, qualifying. So, 10th back is minus 14 points. All the way back, again, there was a big field. We had uh, 34 cars, so uh, some of them 38 back, not going to be running the full season. But here with this second race coming up at Los, I'm sorry, at Phoenix next week, see which ones of these are sorted out and committed to the full season here as they hit race number two. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, well, we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm not sure. Sometimes things happen and come up at the last minute uh, that prevents uh, some of these guys, even though we've had them scheduled, uh, it sometimes prevents them from being on air. Uh, So I'll watch the email real quick and see if I get an email here uh, with some explanation. But uh, I'm not going to be upset because I know that these guys have busy schedules. Uh, and I know Greg is one of those guys, he's got a full-time job in addition to what he does uh, with his race team in the Arkham and Art Series. So uh, it's uh, it's a very hectic schedule for these guys, and we know that uh, things come up at the last minute sometimes. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> okay, so well, you went over the top ten here? Uh, yes, for the Arkham and Arden series, I covered the top ten. Oh, okay. And uh, so uh, definitely the Arkham and Arden series uh, is going to be, I think, a fun series to watch this season because uh, uh, there's a lot of really tough competition. And speaking of that, I think we have Greg Van Alst here. Hi, Greg. This is uh, Sharon. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you guys? Sorry, I'm a little late. Uh, daughter had ballet tonight. <laughs> Ran late. Ah, well, that's a, that's a priority for sure. <laughs> yep. So yep. always something with four kids. Yes. Yes, I I can appreciate that. Uh, how how old are your kids, Craig? Um, I got uh, Cadence is thirteen. Eliza is getting ready to turn 12 next week. Easton turns seven next week. And then Ryder is nine. Wow. You've got your hands full. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, we're, we're uh, looking forward to talking to you tonight about uh, 
the race at Daytona, I know when we last talked to you, this was kind of a dream come true that you were going to be able to race at Daytona. And unfortunately, as happens at Daytona, you got caught up in a crash. So it didn't quite go exactly yeah. as you had planned. But what did you get from the race uh, for the time that you were on the track? Oh, I learned so much. Um, there's so much more that goes on to that race that you can't see on TV. Um, just the way the cars dance around and move, the way the draft works, um, how much you can actually see out of the windshield is probably what shocked me the most. Um, you know, once you start tucking up and getting behind cars, I mean, there's you can't see much more than the car in front of you. It's, the spoilers are so big, that's about all you see. Yeah, and and that's a great perspective because as fans, you know, we can see what's going on, and so we wonder why you can't see what's going on as a driver. But uh, to have that perspective is, I think, really important for fans. Uh, and reaction time is so fast as well. Uh, things happen so quickly, there's, there's hardly any reaction time sometimes. Yeah, that when uh, when the wreck started happening, um, I mean, I could see it, but there was just nothing I could do because it was it was happening so fast. And I think uh, I think someone said the other day, from like the time that uh, that Griffith got sideways to the time that I hit him, it was like a half mile or something like that. And on TV, it's just a couple seconds. So you know, it's 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 a crazy how fast. Um, you know, the closing rate is there and, and how fast the cars are going. Yes, yes. It, 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 I can only imagine um, that it that it is like that. So when is your next race, Greg? Are you racing at Talladega? Yeah, so we are we're on the rebuild process of the uh of the Daytona car. We're taking it to Talladega. Um if everything uh goes as planned um we've got another engine in the works and um, we're planning on doing kansas the week after talladega with a different car so um so the uh the car is i'd say we're probably about 50 percent of the way back um getting it back together and uh, we're hoping to hoping to have it done here in a couple of weeks and then we got to start on our late model we have a late model show at our local track um, uh, two weeks before Talladega, so. Oh, okay. And and uh, mm-hmm. where's that at? The local track. It's at Anderson Speedway, so it's the oh. the ARCA CRA Super Series. Oh, super, super. Okay, yeah. so uh, you've got a couple races coming up here. Uh, now, I do have our co-host with us here tonight as well, Jay Hughesman. So I'm going to pass the mic over to him. I know he he has some questions, too. All righty. Well, talk about when we, when we talked with you last time, talk about the dream of just going to Daytona. Talk about that experience of just getting to go into that track and race on that track. Yeah, I mean the the whole weekend was just kind of surreal. Um, you know, like I said, I've 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 always dreamed of racing there, and and um, that that part was fulfilled. Um, just you know being there, but it was it was surreal because on Friday's practice uh, we went top of the board at one point, and we were pretty good. The car handled good, 
it sucked up in the draft. Um, it did everything it needed to do. So we just we just stopped and put it on jack stand. So we when we practiced about half of the practice, and then you know qualifying day came, and um, you know our group that we were in, we all worked together and started in the top three. I mean. You know, between our practice times and and where we started and everything, I mean, you know, when we when we first started putting out there that we were going to go, I mean, the dream was just to be there, and you know, we 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 knew we had a good car, so it, it started kind of more becoming a reality that we were going to run good. Um, but I don't think any of us, even my team guys and stuff, um, you know, set our expectations of running as good as we did. So. You know, it was kind of a a nice surprise that that uh, that we were able to run that good, um, but definitely uh, helps fuel the fire as well. Well, and that was the next direction I wanted to go with that. Obviously, you talked about the result, especially knowing it wasn't of of your own doing. Nothing you can do about it. Taking the positives from it, you qualified third. You said you had good car or good drafting uh, capability, sucking up to the car in front of you. The positives you can take from that, especially with your next race being uh, Talladega, another super speedway. I know they're a little bit different tracks, um, but what you take with that in momentum moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned quite a bit um, uh, just, you know, in the in the short time that we were in the race. And we were, we were kind of set off to just be conservative and just kind of right around the bottom and try to stay towards the front but uh i think we had an opportunity a couple times to jump up in the top line and and uh the 55 would have you know probably had to have pushed us to the front um you know you never know what's going to happen especially when you had teammates up there but you know i kind of feel like going back and watching the race if i'd have jumped to the top line um it would have forced him to to make the decision of either pushing us to the front um and leading laps or you know, hanging us out. Um, but I think the momentum would have went with the top line at that point. And, you know, that's probably uh, a regret that I have, but going to Talladega, you know, that'll kind of be in the back of my mind that, you know, we can be conservative, but it's okay to be a little aggressive if we're trying to work our way to the lead, you know, especially from the, you know, third to fifth spot. If you, if you have that momentum, you know, you might, might, you might see me trying to take that, uh, take advantage of that momentum and trying to lead some laps. Well, and that, that certainly, especially on a super speedway, I can only imagine not not having driven a car there uh, or a race car at all, other than a test session. But that that on track experience, uh, no matter the laps, any laps, like you said, practice, whatever, that experience has got to be so invaluable. Um, I know Sharon asked you a little bit about your schedule. Uh, we talked about Daytona. You're down there with all the other series. Uh, obviously, they know you were there. You qualified third um, to see that. What does that bring about as far as other talks of whether it be sponsors, possibly adding races, and what goes into that of kind of, of planning your schedule? I know right now, obviously, you've got a super speedway car, so you look at that. But what else goes into planning your schedule as far as that of sponsors, distance, or, or whatever? Yeah, I mean having the having the uh the good run, um, you know, the good qualifying effort, um, it helps, um, because in all of our pictures that go into our marketing packet and everything we're we're up front. So, 
you know, that, that helps. Um, we've got a, a sponsorship meeting that we're, uh, you know, proposing some stuff to a company tomorrow and, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll help, you know, the way that, uh, the way that we ran. Um, so we haven't had any companies jump out there and, and say, Hey, we want to, we want to partner up with you or anything. And, and, um, but you know, it, it's still early. Um, we still got time before Talladega and, you know, hopefully, hopefully somebody will, will come on board and, and help us a little bit. I mean, CD fabrication does, does quite a bit. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, me and Chris Barkdahl, we're, we're pretty good friends and, you know, we're kind of working together to, to try to be able to do more races and, you know, um, he, he got multiple new likes on his Facebook page and, and his, uh, you know, media outlets and stuff. So, so we're, we're just trying to take like everything that we learned, you know, how, how the media, um, treated us and what we learned, um, with the, uh, the representation that we got and, and just trying to put that out there and, you know, see if, uh, if we can bring some new companies on board. Well, best of luck. Hopefully next time you are on with us, uh, you got some good news on that front. Good luck with that tomorrow. And I know Sharon always yeah. does a, a great job of, uh, thanking our guests, but I want to jump in here a little bit beforehand. Uh, you mentioned having four kids It's great to see a dad involved with that of going to the ballet uh, I want to thank you for your time. I, I know that can't be easy, especially again doing a part-time racing and a full-time job. Uh, four kids, I can't even imagine. So I appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah, my good wife. That's uh, that's that's where it all stems from. So. Well, with that, I will well, turn it over to Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I have to agree with Jay on that. Uh, I, I know you've got your hands full. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's, there's nothing better than being a parent uh, and watching, watching the kids grow. So uh, when you get a chance to enjoy those moments, you want to do that. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, we've talked – yeah, definitely. We talked about Talladega. Uh, do you know how many other races you have on the schedule after Talladega? Um, you know, we're still – we're still at that uh, seven to ten. Um, you know, the Daytona wreck probably hurt us a little bit budget-wise. Um, you know, and, and the reason why we have that range is because, you know, I, I it's hard for me to predict how my business is going to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my fence company, we're pretty strong, um, but you know, I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, so I don't know how how consumers will be buying and if they'll be putting fences in and if we can get materials and all that. So, you know, we're, we're, we should be good for, for six more races, which should include most of the um, mile and a half style racetracks. And, um, you know, I think we're trying to go to Bristol, um, but we're really, really, really looking hard about going to Winchester and Salem because those are Indiana tracks. Um, you know, we've thrown around the idea of going to Iowa um, so as, as the summer progresses, you know, if we have some good runs and, and whatnot, that'll help us as well. Um, so it, you know, we're still at that seven to 10 mark and, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're still, uh, a, a team that has to watch pretty much every penny and, and, um, you know, the, the Daytona crash didn't, uh, definitely didn't help any. 
Yeah, I would imagine that to be the case. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, if you're able to secure, because you did have some good runs uh, in that Daytona race, that finish uh, in no way reflects how well you were running uh, with your car. So uh, I'm hoping that that helps you get uh, uh, sponsorship that kind of helps you expand on that a little bit. Um, and uh, the races that you're you're talking about going to, you said the mile and a half. So I'm thinking Kansas Speedway is one of those. Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yep, yep, definitely. Uh, we're trying to do both Kansas races, um, Charlotte, um, Michigan. Uh, Michigan's fairly close to us. <clears throat> it's only like a two-hour drive from us, so that's a that's kind of a nice trip for us. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't know if we'll do Pocono or not. Um, that's probably one that if we if we can pick up some sponsorship, we'll probably add to our schedule. But um, so yeah, so Kansas was it Kansas, uh, Charlotte, Bristol, Michigan, um, and Kansas again. So okay, well those all sound like good 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 events. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, them uh, racing on dirt? at Bristol in the uh, Cup Series? Um, so we about won the uh, the super late model race last year in the, at Bristol. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really, really wish they'd have left it alone because the race was always supposed to be in the early part of the year. It was supposed to be in May for us. And since they put the dirt on the track, that's the reason we were told that's the reason why we're not going there this year uh, with the super late models is because they didn't have time to get the dirt off the track before it would be time for us to come in. So I'm mixed about it as a NASCAR fan. I think it's going to be cool to watch, but as a super late model guy, I really wish they wouldn't have put the dirt on it because I really wanted to go and race for, for a win there. So um, but I'm, I'm, I'm the person that kind of likes things different. I kind of like to see change and things mixed up here and there, uh, when it comes to the racing and, and, um, you know, hopefully it does everything that, uh, the NASCAR wants it to do. Hopefully it brings in new fans and brings some of the dirt people in and, and, uh, hopefully it's a good race. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a race fan. So if it's, uh, if it's got a, got an engine and makes a lot of noise, I, I tend to, to like watching it. Okay. You mentioned Iowa Speedway may be one of those tracks that you go to as well. Um, ha- have you raced at Iowa before? I have not. Um, we have not uh, raced at Iowa in the past. Okay. It, it's a really nice facility, uh, and I'm disappointed that uh, NASCAR is not going there this year. But uh, I'm glad to see that ARCA is still racing at Iowa Speedway because I really like the track itself. So it's it's not a 1.5-mile track, but it's, uh, I think, a little bit bigger than a one-mile track. And uh, it's pretty racy. Uh, they put on some good events there. Yeah, that's kind of what we've seen is it looks like a fun place to, to race at. Yeah, and how do you prepare for those tracks where you haven't been at before, uh, Greg? Um, I I watch quite a few or quite a bit of 
YouTube videos, um, you know, the past ARCA races, and then um, I I do some iRacing. So, um, you know, I'll get on iRacing and and play around on them. Um, I'm one that that um, I kind of struggle because uh, I got to have the feel of a car to 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 be able to do any good. So, I'll, I'll admit I'm not the best iRacer there is out there. Um, but um, you know, it still helps you get your timing down. Um, you know, at least kind of gives you an idea of where everything's at. Okay. I just looked at the time. I've got so caught up in uh, chatting with you. We've, I got behind on my time here. So uh, we'll have to okay. say good night again and look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk to you. Uh, we wish you the best right. in your uh, CRA race as well as uh, the race at Talladega. And uh, hopefully hopefully we'll talk to you before that race at Talladega. If not before, then definitely after. Uh, and uh, we really wish you the very best. And uh, I know you said you don't do a whole lot on social media right now, but uh, how can fans follow you? What's the best way for them to follow you? Yeah, so we, we have um, on Facebook, we have Van Ross Motorsports. That's probably going to be the, the best way to follow us. Um, and, um, yeah, just go on there and give us a like. Okay. Well, we're definitely looking forward to the rest of the season, and uh, we'll look forward to our next visit. All Thanks for Thank coming you. on. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Okay. Good night. All right. That is great, Ben Altz. Uh, always a lot of fun chatting with him, and I did kind of get carried away with the time, Jay. <laughs> Well, I apologize. I love it. No, I, I, I was giving, I was keeping an eye on it. I know he came on a little late, so I figured give it, give him, still give him his full allotment. But I mean, that's how easy it is, especially with one like that, that, that to talk to uh, and to hear about where they're at and where they're going. Uh, I'm super excited for him, and I hope he, he said he had a business meeting tomorrow. Hopefully, that goes well as well. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I hope that does go well for him. Because, uh, uh, you know, like I said, that finish at Daytona does not reflect how well he was doing there. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. They're racing this weekend. Uh, the Bucked Up 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, will take place tomorrow night, Friday, March the 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That race will be televised on Fox Sports 1 uh, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 201 miles, over 134 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 30 laps each and the last stage of course ends on the last lap lap 130 so uh let's talk about the rookies here in the uh truck series jay all right well we'll jump right in there with chandler smith as he maintains the early sunoco rookie of the year lead uh standings following a pair of races in the nascar camping world truck series season smith is the highest finishing uh rookie contender in the daytona road course now sits 15 points ahead of Carson Horstable, who's in second. Uh, third, uh, Chandler Smith sits at 70 points, has picked up one award. Carson picked up the one from Daytona, the Oval, uh, 15 points apart, sitting at 55 points. Haley Deegan right now in third at 26 points. 
Chris Wright and Chase Purdy tied at 25. Tim Veams has not made a start yet. Um, from their last race, Smith was 12th, Horsivore uh, 14th, Purdy 22nd, and Haley Deegan 28th. We'll see how that shakes out this weekend at Las Vegas. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, a driver that uh, has had a lot of success in the truck series uh, has not had a good start to his 2021 season. So uh, he's looking to make a rebound. That's Austin Hill, uh, and it's, uh, he finished 22nd on the Oval and 33rd on the road course at Daytona over the last two weeks. So you know he's uh, definitely looking to regroup and to kind of uh, get back uh, to the front in the truck series. But he should be very happy that the next stop is at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. He won the most recent race there uh, last September, and he also won that same race a year before that. In fact, four of his six career wins in the series have come at the 1.5-mile track. Uh, again, he won at Las Vegas in 19 and 20. He won at Homestead, Miami in 19 and Kansas Speedway in 2020. And in six races at Las Vegas, he does have a pair of wins as uh, part of three top fives and four top ten finishes at that track. So uh, definitely keep your eye out for Austin Hill this weekend. Uh, I definitely look for him to have a rebound at Las Vegas. I think that is definitely where it starts. You mentioned a, a pair of wins for him, but Ben Rhodes has a pair of wins as well as he opened the season with a sweep. Uh, after thrice tallying one win in the season in 2017, 18, and 2020, Ben Rhodes has come out of the chute on fire this season in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, sweeping the opening two races of the year on the pair of Daytona International Speedway configurations. First, he narrowly edged out Corey Roper in the tri-oval during overtime on the Super Speedway's oval configuration in that season opener, and then took a triple overtime victory over reigning series champion Sheldon Creed on the road course two weeks ago. And Rhodes' first NASCAR National Series win came on a 1.5-mile desert circuit in Las Vegas back in 2017, and he followed that up in 2018 with a win on the 1.5-mile Kentucky Speedway. Now, overall, at Las Vegas, Rhodes has that win, three top fives and five top tens in his eight starts, meaning he'll surely be a threat to continue his winning ways this season trying to uh, win the championship from the get-go. Yes, indeed. But uh, there's going to be a Cup Series driver coming to the Truck Series this weekend at Las Vegas, and it is uh, Las Vegas native Kyle Busch coming to the Truck Series this weekend. He's making his season debut at his home track in his own number 54 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. Now, Bush has raced four times at Las Vegas in a truck. His first uh, was in 2001, and at that point, he was driving with Jack Roush, uh, and in that race, he finished ninth. After a long hiatus, he returned in 2018 for this spring race, and he won. So uh, he went on then to win. Uh, he then won the spring race in 2019 and again last year. He started on the pole in 2018 and 19, 
and all the way from third <laughs> in his other two races in the trucks. So this year he'll be starting 29th, and that's because of the lineup matrix used uh, to determine the starting position. Uh, and while we race without qualifying because of the COVID-19 protocols. So uh, Bush has also found success in other series at Las Vegas. He does have a win in the Cup Series at the track in 2009. He also has a pair of wins in the Xfinity Series in 2016 and also in 2019. So uh, everybody's going to have to go through Kyle Bush. I know he has to come from the back. But somehow, Jay, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think so either. I think you're right. Definitely going to be a contender. Now, you mentioned that matrix as far as the uh, how they start. doesn't matter how you add it up. It's based on performance and points position and everything else. Uh, series point leader and the 2017 Las Vegas race winner just talked about. Ben Rhodes is going to start on the pole for Friday night's bucked up 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, by virtue of that metric qualifying to determine the starting order while we race still under these COVID-19 protocols. Another former Vegas race winner, Grant Enfinger, he won back in 2018 of the fall race, is going to start 18th. And then Sharon mentioned multi-time Las Vegas race winner Kyle Busch in 2018, 19, and 20 spring races, and Austin Hill in the 2019 and 2020 fall races are going to start much further back. Bush from 29th, Hill starting 31st. Now, Sheldon Creed, who was runner-up to Rhodes on the Daytona Road Course two weeks ago, is going to be the one to start alongside him on the front row. And then you got John Hunter Nemechek, Matt Crafton, and Christian Eckes. That'll make up the remainder of the top five. Okay, so uh, it's uh, going to be exciting uh, this weekend at Las Vegas with this truck series. But, you know, the Camping World Truck Series uh, CEO, uh, the CEO of Camping World, Marcus Lemonis, sent out a tweet on Monday night, and he said, uh, he said, which NASCAR trucks are unsponsored this weekend? Respond here if you are, and if you know of someone, get their attention quick. Well, they did respond, and so far, more than five entries in Friday night's Bucked Up 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway will sport the familiar blue and yellow logo of Camping World. So those five drivers include the number two of Sheldon Creed, the number three of Jordan Anderson, the number nine for Grant Infinger, the number 24 for Rafael Assad, the number 33 for Jesse Awuji, and the number 41 of Dawson Cram. Uh, it's just amazing what he's doing to help support these drivers uh, to make sure that they can be on the track and race this event. Now, that sponsorship offers teams a sliding scale based on their performance. If the truck wins with the Camping World paint scheme, it, it would increase the sponsorship payout. So this week's sponsorship bonanza comes on the heel of an announcement made by Lamonis uh, prior to the start of the season at Daytona that adds another $500,000 in bonus money and prizes for the Camping World Truck Series drivers this year. 
That includes a total of fifty thousand dollars, twenty-five thousand driver bonus, and twenty-five thousand road crew bonus that went to the number ninety-nine four sport racing team of Ben Rhodes after taking the check and flag in the season opener. So he's just doing so much as a title sponsor of the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, it's really great to see him uh, being so supportive of the series and being so supportive, especially of the drivers, Jay. Yeah, this this goes up there in the history of NASCAR. I know a lot of teams reference back to Winston, how they weren't just a title sponsor, how deeply they were involved. Uh, this is even one step further, in my opinion. I mean, this isn't just about bonuses on the track. Uh, I know you compare it to, say, the Winston Million or something like that. But to just offer it up to unsponsored teams uh, like this is just unbelievable. And if you follow him on Twitter, uh, you, you see his passion for the sport. I mean, he is on there every day. He engages with all the fans positively and negatively. Uh, you know, he'll go head-to-head with you if you do uh, want to get a little chippy. But uh, he is just so involved. I saw somebody ask him if he was if he was even with the company or if he was just their uh, PR person, <laughs> oh, the social media guy. <laughs> Uh, he's the CEO guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's fantastic what he does. And like you say, his passion for this sport comes through. And, uh, you know, when you think about what it means to teams like Grant Finger, who's racing part-time this year with uh, Thor Sport Racing, it makes it a little harder for him to race for the uh, championship this year. But for for Marcus Lemonis to to offer the sponsorship to some of these drivers and give them that chance to be behind the wheel of one of his trucks, uh, one of those trucks for this year uh, and for this race is is huge for some of these drivers. It it really is. And I know uh, Grant Enfinger, for one, uh, you take him uh, racing in, in a separate truck this weekend in that number nine. Uh, a little surprised, uh, I know this got mentioned a couple weeks ago, Sheldon Creed not having a full-time sponsor across the board for the mm-hmm. season as a, as a previous, cha- as a defending champion. Um, so to see him fill that in. But some of these other teams, I mean, it is so huge for a team like Jordan Anderson, who, you know, works very, very hard to make it to the track week in and week out. Uh, the boost this can give them, just like the, his top finishes at Daytona do. Exactly. I'm sorry, did you have something more? No, that was it. Okay, yeah. It it really is huge. And, uh, you know, big applause, (laughs) if I can do a little clap here, uh, for Marcus Lemonis and what he's doing for the sport. Uh, I really really think it's wonderful. And uh, I'm excited that we get to see those drivers out on the track because of his generosity. So I hope one of them wins for him. I I would love to see a Camping World Truck Series uh, truck in victory lane at the end of the day there uh, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But, again, they've all got to go through Kyle Busch uh, to make that happen. Well, there are quite a few competitive teams out there, as we know. Uh, you know, you can't count out obviously Ben Rhodes either. So uh, exactly. I don't think you can target one. Kyle, Kyle might be the favorite, but uh, Ben Rhodes has said, "Hey, I'm undefeated so far this year. <laughs> Come beat me." I know, 
I know. I didn't pick him this week. I wanted to, uh, but I thought three in a row, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, uh, I do think he could go out there and win it. I honestly do. So he's going to be a tough competitor for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the Xfinity Series because they're also racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. And the Alto Uniforms 300, they'll race on Saturday, March the 6th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the TV coverage on Fox Sports 1 will start at 4 p.m. And then there's also radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now, they'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 200 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 45 laps each, and the last stage will end on the last lap, lap 200, which means that that stage is 110 laps. So uh, let's go ahead and cover the Xfinity Series here. Usually we start with the uh, rookies. But that's not the case here. Uh, yeah, we got I've got several. The rookies are at the top of this, but we got a couple of notes, uh, additional notes here, if you will. And to start with Mike Harmon Racing, they're partnering with Porak. Uh, Mike Harmon Racing is known for their support of law enforcement, and that will continue this weekend at Las Vegas. The Peace Officers Research Association of California, the Porak, is California's largest law enforcement in. Associated and the largest statewide law enforcement association in the country. And they're going to be teaming up with Wolfpack Racing to sponsor the number 47 of Kyle Weatherman. Very cool. Now, Brandon Brown finds the Vegas sponsor as well. He took to Twitter last week uh, talking about how much he dislikes blank cars on the racetrack and hoping that a company would come through with some sponsorship for him. So on Tuesday, he tells that Green Tech Energy is the primary sponsor for his number 68 car in Las Vegas. So uh, we hear that more and more, that a lot of these drivers are using social media to reach out for sponsorships and finding success with that. So uh, that's really great to see. It is, and we got one more, and it falls in line with the sponsorship deal. Uh, Stefan Parsons and BJ McLeod Motorsports announced that Dogecoin, uh, the cryptocurrency company, will be the primary sponsor, along with Springgates for Parsons on Saturday at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The hood of Parsons' number 99 Chevrolet will have that Dogecoin dog with the word wow on it. So some great deals from some teams that need to pick up sponsorship. we like to see that, as we did with the Camping World Truck Series. There it was the title sponsor. Here they've gotten their individual ones. So good to see less blank cars, like you mentioned. Yes, indeed. Uh, a quick update on the OEMs uh, uh, for the Xfinity Series so far this season. Toyota is actually leading the Manufacturers' Championship standings. They have 109 points, while Chevrolet and Ford are actually tied at 107. So this looks to be a very close contest. So with just a couple of races in the book, see how that continues to play out this season. Well, and that's something else we like to see, the parody. Now, you mentioned the rookies. We'll get to that. Ty Gibbs is still in the lead for the Snoko Rookie of the Year honors with 50 points. But Josh Berry has worked his way up to second in the standings with 41 points. 
And Ryan Vargas, who has two awards now to his name, is in third with 33 points. I know two of them for sure uh, are on the entry list for this weekend. I don't know if Ty Gibbs is for this weekend. Yeah, I'd have to look at that real quick. Let me see if I can find that real quick while you finish up there. So that was it for the uh, for the rookies, but I don't believe he is because I know when they announced the rest of his schedule, I know we had that as far as a, a hot topic here last weekend of what his schedule, uh, 15 races. I don't think that was one of them. Okay, yeah, it's very possible. I know they're working really, really hard uh, to try to make that happen for him. Yeah, I don't see his name on this list as I take a really – a really quick glance at it. Um, I do not see him on the list. But speaking of Ty Gibbs, he is one of the drivers that does have a win, uh, of course, in the Xfinity Series. But the other two drivers are Austin Sendrick and Myatt Snyder, so they're at the top of the series points lead, and they are already qualified for the playoffs. So uh, they started out with three different winners, again, uh, Ty Gibbs is that third winner, and uh, Austin Sindrick, uh, uh actually finished second in the in the next race. So he's had a pretty good uh, start of it here. Uh, Ty Gibbs went on to win the Daytona Road Course for his first ever Xfinity Series start, adding his name to the history books. Uh, and the win doesn't necessarily guarantee a spot in the postseason playoffs, however, for him. Uh, because he is running that partial schedule. Myatt Snyder won last week at Homestead Miami Speedway to secure his spot in the playoffs, and that, of course, was his first uh, Xfinity Series win as well. Now, at the start of the season, bringing new winners, the playoff outlook has shuffled the driver's standings. Although it's only three races in, there are already a couple of new faces in that top 12. Jeremy Clements is sitting in eighth right now uh, in the driver points. He has two top ten finishes this season, landing Castle in 12th place. That's the cutoff line. Uh, he hasn't even run the full season in the Xfinity Series since 2014 and is already showing some really good potential in the number four for J.D. Motorsports uh, Chevrolet this year. Daniel Hemrick is third in the series standings. He's the highest-ranked driver without a win. He kicked off this year with a new team racing with Joe Gibbs Racing, and he's put up some really impressive numbers. He finished ninth in the season opener and third in the last two races. Uh, Another team that's looking really good is all three college racing drivers are in the top 12 of points right now. Their newest driver in the lineup is Jeb Burton. He's actually ranked the highest in fourth place. Justin Haley is sixth, and A.J. Allmendinger is tenth in those point standings. So uh, it is uh, pretty interesting uh, to see how this all plays out. Uh, just to kind of run down the list, we mentioned Austin Sindrick in first, Mike Snyder second, Daniel Hemrick in third, Jeff Burton fourth, and Brandon Jones rounding out the top five. Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Jeremy Clements, and Brandon Brown, along with A.J. Allmendinger, round out the top ten. And then Riley Erbst and 
Lan and Castle are the two drivers uh, that uh, close up the top 12 there in the points as they stand right now. Uh, but there's a name that's missing from that list. Well, as, as I, I, said, I like that. to see those new driver names up there in the in the points as it is right now. They're getting some attention, but there's some that are behind that that line that you know are coming to the front. And ironically, this was our last pick by Sam in our fantasy group. But at Las Vegas, you've got to go all in on Allgaier. The numbers that yeah. he has accumulated in 13 starts in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Las Vegas Motor Speedway are extremely impressive. Although he hasn't been able to close the deal and get the win, the driver of the number seven, Junior Motorsport Chevrolet, is consistently a favorite when he heads to the Nevada track. Now, Algar's first start at the track was in 2009. He started 11th and finished 8th. In the 13 starts, he's finished in the top five six times and has 11 top 10 finishes. He's completed 2,527 of 2,622 laps attempted, uh, just short of 100 there that he hasn't completed, which is at 96.4% of laps, and he's led a total of 111 of them. He has an average start of 8.3. Average finish is right there at uh, 8.8. And there was only one race in Algar's history at Las Vegas that he did not finish. That was in 2019 due to an engine problem. As far as, uh, again, closing the deal, in 2011 and 2018, he finished in the runner-up position and most recently finished fourth at the 1.5-mile track. Now, the start of Algar's 2021 season hasn't had not been ideal uh, by any means. The veteran of the junior motorsports driver is hoping that changes this weekend. He was involved in two incidences in the first three races of the season and only finished on the lead lap at the Daytona road course. He hasn't finished better than 26 so far this season, but if there's a place for him to redeem himself, it certainly could be Las Vegas. Yes, indeed. Uh, Jay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do the next segment here. We'll skip the fast facts and go on to the uh, uh, other topic, and then if we have time, we'll come back to that fast facts. Okay. Okay, now Gregson is going to head back to his home track. He's a Las Vegas native and junior motorsports driver, uh, but he's hoping to find a rebound at Las Vegas this weekend uh, where he has roots uh, at uh, Las Vegas. Uh, he has uh, he had another heartbreak ending to last Saturday's race at Homestead, Miami. It was the third race, third consecutive race, at that 1.5-mile oval that Gregson could have won. But with two laps remaining and a big lead, Gregson got into the back of the number 13 MBM Motorsports Toyota when the driver had a tire issue that sent him up the track. Now, as a result of that, Gregson was relegated to a 33rd place finish, and I know that had to be disappointing to him. Uh, The 22-year-old has had to regroup 
and no better for there's a, not a better place for him to find that focus than at his home track. Gregson has never finished worse than sixth in the Xfinity Series at Las Vegas, and uh, in two starts in 2020, Gregson finished fourth and second in all at racetracks that are between one and two miles in length. He holds an average finish of 9.9, and he has led 75% of his career total laps at those tracks. Gregson also has an average finish of 3.8 at Las Vegas, and that number is second best of his Xfinity Series career so far at tracks that he's been to more than one time. Now, the only track that he has a better average finish, uh, that's at the Charlotte Roval, where he has an average finish of 3.5. So uh, Gregson hopes to really have that rebound this weekend at Las Vegas. Well, I got faith in him for one uh, that he will. You talk about the heartbreak there, uh, as with everything else. On one side, you have the disappointment. On the other side, you have the joy, as we have another one. As Myatt Schneider Mm -hmm. gets his first career win at Homestead Miami Speedway. He's driving for Richard Childress Racing and got that first career victory in the NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, while Junior's Motorsports Noah Gregson was the one left with that heartbreak there at Homestead, Miami. Schneider held off a hard-charging Tyler Reddick to win Saturday's race during the second NASCAR overtime to become the second first-time winner of the 2021 season, joining the mentioned Ty Gibbs from the Daytona Road Course. Uh, For the third straight, I hate to have to repeat this, but for the third straight race at Homestead, Miami, uh, (laughs) Noah Gregson so close to victory uh, until there were only two laps to go, and he was involved in an incident. Once the dust settled, Gregson finished 33rd. Now, Reddick's number 23, uh, Chevrolet, that crossed the finish line in second, was disqualified for failing post-race inspection and the height requirement. That result pushed him down to a 40th place finish. With Reddick disqualified, Brandon Jones ended up your runner-up. Daniel Hemrick took third. Jeb Burton finished fourth. And Austin Sindrick rounded out the top five. Now, we're all looking ahead to the great action lineup this weekend with the Xfinity Series uh, headed west to the Las Vegas Speedway for the Alsco Uniforms 300. Schneider will start from the pole with Sindrick next to him on the front row. And I believe Sharon hit this. The race will be 300 miles, 200 laps, stage one ending on lap 45, the second on lap 90, the third coming with the end of the race. Yes, indeed. Okay, we do have extra time here, so I will go ahead and get into the Viva Las Vegas Fast Facts. Now, there have been 27 Xfinity Series races at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and 17 different pole winners and 19 different race winners. Only six races in the history of the track have been won from the pole. So that's something to keep in mind this weekend as well. The inaugural race was on March 16th of 97, and it was won by Jeff Green from that pole position. More recently, Chase Briscoe won at Las Vegas on September the 26th last year from the first starting spot as well. 
Colchester holds the record for the youngest poll winner in 2018. He was just 20 years, 7 months, and 23 days. Mark Martin, on the other side of that, holds the record for the oldest poll winner in 1999 at 40 years, 1 month, and 25 days. Tyler Reddick became the youngest winner in 2019. He was 23 years, 8 months, and 3 days. Martin also holds the record for the oldest wrist winner in 2011 at 52 years, 1 month, and 24 days. Kyle Busch, he holds the record. Um, hold on. Kyle Busch holds the record at 145.415 miles per hour, and he did that in 2016. He also holds the qualifying record from 2017 at 185.58 miles per hour. Joe Nemechek has run the most Xfinity Series races at Las Vegas with 17. And Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, Martin, and Cole Custer are all tied. They each have two pole awards. Martin has the most wins at the track with four. Justin Algauer, Kevin Harvick, and Martin are all tied for the most top fives. They each have six. And Algauer holds the record for the most top tens at 11. 11 races were won by drivers who started on the front row. That includes Chevrolet has the most wins at the track with 13, but Ford is the most recent winner, sweeping both races in 2020 with Chase Bristol, the series champion from last season. So uh, really some interesting facts there about Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Certainly going to be an interesting one. I like the fact that here we're seeing these first-time winners. Like we mentioned in the points right now, you got some driver names that are up there, some heavy hitters in the back, uh, capable of winning, which will bump them up automatically. But to see those guys have to catch, be the be the one chasing the rabbit, uh, it's going to be interesting through these first several uh, races here following Daytona. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the I'm sorry to the Cup Series. Uh, they're racing the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That race will take place on Sunday. March the 7th, starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, television coverage will be on Fox, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be driving a distance of 400.5 miles, covering 267 laps. The first two stages are 80 laps apiece, and the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 267. So, uh, Jay, let's, uh, there's going to be some exciting uh, events for the uh, flyover. Yeah, it doesn't start on the track at Las Vegas. It starts in the air as the Thunderbirds will perform a flyover. The world-renowned U.S. Air Force Thunderbird, uh, Thunderbirds will perform the flyover for the Pence Oil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. America's Ambassadors in Blue, officially known as the U.S. Air Force Air Demonstration Squadron, 
will electrify the crowd with their signature Delta formation over the speedway at the end of the national anthem for the NASCAR Cup Series race. Now, the Thunderbirds are stationed there at Nellis Air Force Base, located adjacent to the speedway, and they feature six F-16 Fighting Falcons, the Air Force premier multi-role fighter aircraft. And they were created 68 years ago in 1953. The, Air Force, the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds are the third oldest formal flying aerobatic team in the world. The Thunderbirds have performed at over 4,000 air shows worldwide, including more than a dozen times here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, accumulating millions of miles in hundreds of different airframes over the course of their more than 50 year, 54 years of service. And if you haven't got to see one of their shows, uh, you need to check it That's out. Amazing. Uh, again, not, not just from an Air Force uh, retiree standpoint, but they are impressive. <laughs> they, they definitely are, Jay. I have to agree with you there. Now, spectators are going to be at the track for the races at uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. But the race on Sunday, the Pennzoil 400, presented by Jiffy Lube, is already sold out. And that's because of the limited capacity requirement that was imposed by the Southern Nevada Health Department. Uh, so they've already reached their allowable threshold, and they can no longer sell tickets for the NASCAR Cup Series event. But... There are still tickets available for the Alpha Uniforms 300 for the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, as well as for the Bucked Up 200 Camping World Truck Series race on Friday. So the Speedway estimates 12,500 fans will be in attendance for the 400, uh, Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube, and that number represents grandstand seating as well as the suites and the club. Now, race fans can still get their speed fix on Friday and Saturday with some good seats that still remain for both of those races. Saturday's tickets are $29. Friday's tickets are $19. Kids 12 and under can go absolutely free on both Friday and Saturday with a ticketed adult. Now, you can go to LVMS, uh, that stands for Las Vegas Motor Speedway.com, for tickets, RV camping, uh, and race weekend information. So it uh, sounds like a great opportunity to take the family after the track uh, while the kids can go for free. It certainly does. And you might get to see some football action as well, because we've seen a lot of crossover with that. And the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders quarterback, David Carr, headlines the Grand Marshals at Vegas. Uh, there'll be quite the professional sports flair when the commands to start engines are given at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. The Raiders quarterback David Carr headlines the trio as he will deliver the most famous words in motorsports just prior to the start of the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. A car's command will top off a weekend that'll see Buffalo Bills running star Antonio, uh, running back Antonio Williams announce engines fires engines. Friday's Bucked Up 200 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race, and Utah Jazz star forward Joe Ingles is he'll deliver the message for Saturday's Allsco Uniforms 300 in the Xfinity Series race. So we've got football as well as basketball there. And O'Carr joins rap star Pitbull, TV star and comedian Kevin James, and Miami Dolphins quarterback 
who played for Alabama. Just throw that in there. Uh, quarterback Tua Tag- Tagliovola as Grand Marshals for cup races so far this season. Okay. And now we'll get to the Snoko rookie update. Uh, through the first three races of the cup season this year, Stuart House Racing Chase Briscoe has held the uh, Rookie of the Year standings lead following his 18th place finish at Homestead. He has extended his lead to nine points over Front Row Motorsports' Anthony Alfredo, who is in second. There are only two uh, candidates this season. Now, looking to this weekend, expect Briscoe to keep building on his early success. Uh, the 26-year-old will be making his series track debut at Las Vegas this weekend, but he has won the last two consecutive Xfinity Series races at Las Vegas, sweeping both of those races last season. The first driver in the Xfinity Series history to win consecutive races at Las Vegas. Now, while Alfredo has not garnered the same amount of success that Briscoe has had at the 1.5-mile track, he did make his Xfinity Series debut there just last season, and at that race, uh, he had a top 10 finishing in eighth place. Not bad for a debut, that's for sure. All right, moving up. Whoa. Uh talk a little bit about NASCAR testing. They tested the Circuit of Americas uh, for the first time, the Circuit of Americas. Three former NASCAR Series champions, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, and Martin Truex shook down the 20-turn, 3.41-mile-long course in the stock car as part of a Goodyear tire test in preparation for their inaugural Echo Park, or Echo Park Texas Grand Prix on May 23rd. Now, Elliott does lead all active drivers in road course wins in the NASCAR Cup Series with five victories. While Keselowski is yet to win on the road course in the series, he has put up seven top five finishes, including fifth at the Daytona road course just two weeks ago. And Truex is tied with Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Kyle Busch for the second most road course victories in the NASCAR Cup Series among active drivers with four each. So, again, that's kind of what we talked about in Hot Topics maybe why they selected those three. Uh, you can check out the results on, I believe Jayski has it. Uh, I'm sure you can find it elsewhere on the web. Absolutely. Now, this season has been a lot of fun to watch because uh, we saw McDowell win at, at uh, uh, Daytona, and we saw William Byron from Hendrick Motorsports grabbing his second NASCAR Cup Series career win uh, he won at Daytona last year and at Homestead this year, and now he's added his name to the list of drivers that are locked in for the 2021 playoffs, joining Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell, who won on the road course at Daytona. Now, Byron is right now 13th in the Cup Series driver standing through the first three races. The North Carolina native posted an average finish of 20 uh, so far this season, making the win last weekend so very important to his title hopes. Now, looking ahead to this weekend, Byron's made six starts at Las Vegas. He's posted one top ten finish, which was a seventh there in 2019. So uh, it'll be fun to see what Byron does this weekend. Uh, most certainly. And let me tell you something, though. It isn't just the fact that McDowell 
won the Daytona 500. He is taking a hot streak to Vegas. No better place to have a hot streak than at Vegas, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, front road motorsports driver and the 2021 Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell, having the best start to a season in his career. And now the 36-year-old Glendale, Arizona native is taking that hot streak to Las Vegas to try his luck. McDowell and Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick are the only two drivers this season to finish in the top 10 in all three of the opening races of the year. McDowell is currently fourth in the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings, just 33 points back from Denny Hamlin in the standings lead. This season, McDowell has leveled up and is showing. The first three starts of the year, he finished at first at Daytona in the 500, eighth on the Daytona road course, and then followed that up with a sixth place at Homestead, Miami. Now, the 2021 standout is looking to keep that success going at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. He's made a total of 14 starts at the Las Vegas at Las Vegas, posting a best finish of 18th back in 2017. Fortunately, he finished 36 in last season's Vegas Spring Race and a 21st in the playoff event. But I think the momentum they got, you're going to see those numbers change. Yes, indeed. I'm thinking this next section uh, is kind of a really long section. So why don't we go uh, by paragraphs three by three? Okay, I'll I don't know ahead. which one you're looking at. We got Den Hamlin in between there first. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm going to do that first. You're right. And then we'll go three by three on the next one. Okay, now the series... The series points leader, Denny Hamlin, is looking uh, to achieve a couple of firsts at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, the Joe Gibbs Racing driver sits on top of the series driver point standings, uh, but he's still looking to, for his first win this season and his first career win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Hamlin has yet to win this season, uh, but has been in contention just about every week and now holds a 20-point lead over Stuart Haas Racing's driver, Kevin Harvick, who is second in the driver's standings. In three starts this year, Hamlin's put up two top fives and an average finish of just 6.3, so that's pretty impressive. Now, Hamlin is looking to keep the momentum going this week at Las Vegas, a track where he's made 18 series starts, and he has posted in those starts three top fives, eight top tens, and including a best finish of third, which he did twice, most recently last September. So Danny Hamlin uh, is kind of knocking on the door of that win. Will he make it happen at Las Vegas? Well, and he was just one position short. He finished 11th, or he would have been a third driver with Harvick and McDowell to have finished in the top 10 every race. So uh, he just barely got left off that list. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, you mentioned this next section. Uh, it's long because we're talking about different winners aplenty to start this season. The NASCAR, 20, NASCAR Cup Series 2021 season has started off with three different winners in as many races, with McDowell in the 500, Christopher Bell on the road course, and then William Byron at Homestead, Miami, all celebrating in victory lane. Now, the chances for the Premier Series to see its fourth different winner are pretty good as it heads to Las Vegas Motor Speedway 
for this weekend's Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Of the 50 seasons in the modern era, which starts from 1972, runs through 2021, the NASCAR Cup Series has started the schedule with three different winners in the first three races 33 different times, or 66%, including this season. Now, if the series were to produce a fourth different winner this weekend, it would be the 23rd different season in that modern era to start with four different winners through the first four races. And there are 13 different NASCAR National Series Las Vegas Motor Speedway winners entered into this weekend in the NASCAR Cup Series race, none of which have won yet this season. So let Sharon get into how that looks. Yeah, talking about the Pennzoil 400 uh, presented by Jiffy Lube, that will be the 27th Cup Series race held at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The previous 26 races have given us 14 different winners all time, led by recently retired Jimmy Johnson, who has four victories in 2005, 6, 7, and 10. Now, Team Penske's Brad Keselowski leads all active drivers in wins at Las Vegas. He has three victories there uh, in 2014, 16, and 18. And Keselowski also won at Las Vegas in the Xfinity Series in 2010. Now, of the 14 all-time Cup Series winners, at Las Vegas, six are entered this weekend, and four of the six have multiple wins, including the defending race winner, Brad Keselowski's uh, Team Penske teammate, Joey Logano. Now, he's grabbed the checkered flag the last two spring visits to Sin City. That was in 2019 and 20. Logano also won the Xfinity Series race at Las Vegas in 2017. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. and Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick make up for the quartet of the Cup uh, Vegas multiple winners entered this weekend. Truex earned his victory lane hardware at Las Vegas in the spring race of 2017 and in the playoff race of 2019. While Harvick secured his two wins at Las Vegas in the spring of 2015, and the playoff race of 2018. Harvick also collected a pair of Xfinity Series wins at Las Vegas in 2004 and again in 2010. Not not surprisingly, we've got a highlight here, a Las Vegas native and Joe Gibbs Racing driver Kyle Busch. He's the only former Cup Las Vegas winner to grab victories in all three of NASCAR's National Series. Bush scored his cup win in the 2009 race, the only driver to win from the pole at Las Vegas in the series. He also has two victories in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2016 and 19, plus he has won the last three consecutive spring NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races at the 1.5-mile track in 18, 19, and 2020. Now, Kyle Busch's brother, Kurt, he's also a fellow Las Vegas native, is the most recent Cup Series winner at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, driving his Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet to victory lane in last season's playoff race. It was his first and only victory at his home track. I'm going to switch over to Richard Childress Racing teammates, Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. 
They each won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in both the NASCAR Xfinity Series and in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Dylan posted his Xfinity win in 2015, and his Camping World Truck win came in 2010. Reddick captured the Xfinity win in 2019. His Truck Series win came back in 2016. Now, there's four other drivers that have won just in the Xfinity Series at Las Vegas, including Stuart House Racing's rookie, Chase Briscoe. He swept both Las Vegas Xfinity Series races last year, becoming the first driver to win consecutive races at the 1.5-mile track in the series. Chip Ganassi Racing's Ross Chastain collected his first career National Series victory in the Xfinity Series at Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the playoff race of 2018. Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson also won in the Xfinity Series at Vegas in the spring race of 2018. And JTG Doherty Racing's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the Las Vegas race in 2012 and rocked to his second consecutive Xfinity Series title in 2011 and 12. Finally, Richard Petty Motorsports' Eric Jones won the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Las Vegas in 2014. So, again, some really interesting stats there as it relates uh, to the track itself. Um, and the drivers that race there. Now, there's also, um, we look forward to this every year, the Betty Jane France Humanitarian Award, Jay. Okay, I'm not sure where, oh, I got it now. Uh, Nominations are opened uh, this weekend for the NASCAR Foundation's 11th Annual Betty France Humanitarian Award, a recognition that honors the philanthropic ideals and visions of Betty Jane France, the NASCAR Foundation's late founder and chairperson. The NASCAR Foundation's Betty Jane France Humanitarian Award is presented annually to a NASCAR fan who is a dedicated volunteer working on behalf of children's causes. Since its inception, the award has given 1.8 million in donations to charities representing 40 finalists, impacting the lives of 354,647 children in need. And the nomination process includes an independent selection committee of NASCAR industry leaders who help identify the nominees to be voted on by the NASCAR Foundation's board of directors. The four finalists are ultimately selected by the board and set forth uh, to an online fan vote in the fall. Each finalist will be guaranteed a $25,000 donation to the children's charity they represent, with the overall winner receiving a $100,000 donation. Our nominations will close on Friday, March 19th at midnight. The nomination form and award rules can be accessed online at nascarfoundation.org backslash award. Let me read that again. Uh, they can be accessed online at nascarfoundation.org or org backslash award. Uh, complete forward forms can be forward. submitted via. What's that? It's a forward slash. James. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Forward slash. Thank you. Uh, completed forms can be submitted via email to bg 
BJFA Ward at NASCARFoundation.org or via mail. And again, you can check that out on jsky.com if you need more information on that. Okay. We did it. We got through everything uh, tonight, so I'm real happy about that. Uh, as we transition over to Hot Topics Day, uh, why don't you give us an update on our fantasy game for the Fan for Racing crew? All right. Well, we'll start with the points. I'll give you the top couple in the points. On the cup side, uh, I lead that one at 30. Mike and Sam are tied at 24. The Xfinity Series this year is where it's at for us. Uh, I know the truck races only has a couple races in, but in the Xfinity Series, Mike is at 14, Owen at 13, James at 11, Andy and Sharon at 10. So five already still within four points. On the truck side, Sharon leads that one at 11. This one's still pretty close. Again, only two races in, but Sharon at 11. I'm at 10. Andy and Mike are at seven each. And as you total those up, the overall, myself and Mike uh, tied at 45, Sam at 36, Sharon at 35, and Owen at 32. Uh, I don't have it open yet. I think 25 and 24 were the next two down. Uh, again, Tommy coming in, he's going to be strong. He took Kyle Busch in the truck, so he picks on quick of uh, how to pick up at the right time at the right spot. <laughs> Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, so I, I really anticipate he'll pick up uh, some points along the way here, and before you know it, he'll be uh, ahead of all of us. So with that, Jay, it is the top of the hour, and that does mean uh, – oh, did you do the over? You did do the overall, so that's good. Yep, I got the overall. Um, yep. Okay, so we are at the top of the hour, and that means that it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off. And joining us uh, for our discussion tonight is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Well, we, we appreciate you being able to come on and uh, chat with us uh, and uh, kind of uh, go over some of these uh, hot topics that we have on our list here tonight. Uh, and, Jay, I'm going to let you start it out. So you get the first hot topic. Well, if you're going to leave it up to me, and I know this one has come up once already, but they did fully uh, announce all the format for the Bristol Dirt Race. Um, some things that more things have come out about that recently. And truthfully, uh, I'll let you guys give yours before I come back to mine, but uh, our guest tonight added another twist to it for me. So uh, a couple of things with the format, uh, what your thoughts on it are. I know the first thing they just announced a couple of weeks ago was just that they were going to have heat races, but a couple other things to look at here in this package that was announced today. Okay. So let me see if I can find that again uh, in our hot topic uh, thread here. Uh, have you had a chance to look at that, Tommy? Uh, yes, I did. I've I looked at it. Okay, then you go ahead, and then I'll try to catch up here. Okay, so I'm actually really excited for these heat races. Um, so we get four races to set the qualifying field, and it's more racing, which is exactly what I want. And um, the only thing that 
we brought this up in a previous um, episode or podcast uh, where we were talking about how the only bad thing about this is the cars could potentially get damaged, and then they have to go to backup cars start in the rear of the field, um, and they you know tearing up more equipment. But with that being said, I'm still super excited to get four day, uh, four extra heat races uh, or more racing for the weekend. Super excited for Bristol and uh, the dirt. Thunder Valley, last great Coliseum. Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, the heat race, uh, the starting line gap lineup will be a random draw to determine the heat race designation and starting position. Uh, the draw will be in order of current owner points. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. That's kind of how they, I guess they're doing it uh, right now anyway without qualifying. But with the qualifying heat races, there are four races, 15 laps each, uh, and only green flag laps are going to be counted. So there's no overtime rule. Uh, free pass and wave around procedures will be in effect for those. Uh, passing points. Drivers will accumulate points in the heat races based on finishing position and passing points. That's a kind of an interesting caveat. And the points total determines the starting position for the future events. So passing points, just so everybody knows what that is, is going to be the difference between the assigned starting position and the finishing position. So if they go forward, they accumulate passing points. If they go backward or finish where they started, they get zero passing points. The tiebreaker, they're going to look at the owner's points to break any of those ties. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Do they typically do that in heat races, uh, Jay, where they have passing points? Okay, yeah, if if you were done there, I will certainly answer that question because it comes with a package deal that that I'm ready to talk about when it comes to dirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I just think that's an interesting caveat. And uh, uh, the fact that there's not going to be an overtime rule, they're only counting the green flag left, uh, I think it's all good. I'm like, uh, I'm like Tommy. I'm really looking forward to all of this, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, to see how these four uh, heat laps uh, uh, line up. Now, the feature, the lineup is based on combined points of the heat race finishing position and the passing points. The feature race is going to be 250 laps. For the trucks, that's 150 laps, and they'll be divided into three stages. For the Cup Series, it's 75, 150, and 250. For the Truck Series, it's going to be 40, 90, and 150. The running order is going to be frozen at the conclusion of each stage, and the stage breaks, and teams can change tires, add fuel, and make adjustments to their cars or trucks. It's a non-competitive pit stop, but it must be completed in the time designated by NASCAR. So no fuel or tires except that the stage breaks, and teams are not required to pit during those stage breaks. Teams that elect not to pit, will restart ahead of the teams that pitted, and the restart order will be determined by the freeze at the conclusion of the previous stage. Now, additional event highlights include the choose rule will not be in, in effect for the Bristol Dirt Race. The overtime rules, free pass, and waiver on procedures will be in effect. 
So it all sounds good to me, Jay. What are your your thoughts? Okay, I, I don't know if you want to not interrupt me. You want to go ahead and do your 9.30 spiel now so you don't have to interrupt me because... <laughs> <laughs> We're a little early um, here. I'll, I'll remind uh, you when we get close, if you go that way. Okay. Um, th- this is... <clears throat> excuse me. This has really been a roller coaster for me. I'm, I got some concerns about it, but I'm seeing some good things. And I heard an interview with Vice President Scott Miller, a competition, talking about it. Yeah. They wanted the full dirt experience, okay? And, you know, with the heat races, the passing point. And they've kind of ebbed and flow with it. Some things they hit on, some they didn't. Starting with the heat races, that's a great thing. The passing points, uh, Sharon, you asked about that. It is, it's not at all dirt tracks, but especially on your bigger shows, it is a very common thing. And what that means is if you do a random draw, I'm sorry if I start talking really fast. I, this is my passion here. Uh, again, you all know that, so I'll try and be <laughs> calm about it. But uh, random draw to start in your heat races, you draw the pole, you start up front, you run away. That gives this cha- a car that, say, drew a five or a six. If they move up to second for passing points, that equates to or could better the one that started up front and didn't have to pass anybody. So that's the reason for that. I most shows that you go to, if it's a big show like that, the passing points are very important because you have so many cars. In this case, we're talking about, uh, what, 30-some. 30, 30 uh, you know, There's going to be some that end up with a random draw of the 10th in the heat race. So it gives them an opportunity to still work their way to the front without having to be one of four heat race winners. So I like that. The one thing, and I know a couple of the – listening to race hub as well as uh last couple of days i've been doing a lot of listening on sirius xm morning show actually the morning drive uh with mike bagley and pete pistoni the lack of the the choose cone uh because that if you remember when they started talking about this that's where it comes from is a lot of times from your dirt tracks so mm-hmm. looking at that i understand on an asphalt track they paint it on the track and in, in the white uh, they can't do that on dirt, but there are some ways it can be done. A lot of times at a dirt track, it is a cone on a rope, and somebody standing in the infield as they go by, they make their choice, they pull that cone in. Uh, on the fact that they built this, a dirt track on top of Bristol, could have been a little tricky, but I think they could have found a way to do it. And I know a lot of the analysts said, hey, this is something we're missing next time, you know, if we do this again or down the road take a look at that because I think that is one aspect of it that is very important on a dirt track Uh, because again where your groove is on a dirt track is very different than searching and finding it on an asphalt track the there was one more thing I know I had the pit stops no competition yeah and that is one where they did veer from the NASCAR side of things which I think is a good thing uh when it comes to a dirt track, you don't see that. Uh, if they do have a 100-lap feature or something and they need to make a pit fuel, uh, a pit stop or stop the race for a pit fueling or fueling, um, that is done in that manner. So I think they hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I know a lot of people maybe kind of wanted to see that, but especially there at Bristol, they're putting dirt on the track, not on pit road. So now you're talking about coming off of dirt onto asphalt. Uh, I just mm. think was going to get a little wild. 
if at a track like Eldora or Knoxville where the trucks are running and it's all dirt, might be a little different, but you also have the safety concern. A dirt track, you're a little more compressed in your pit area. Uh, your pit crews aren't used to doing pit stops on dirt. So I, I think that was the right call in that aspect. And, again, it does line up with what uh, a dirt track would do. So overall, I think they, they're in a, going in a good direction. Oh, I know what the other thing I, I wanted to say that where that may be lacking, and, again, logistics and everything else maybe look at for next time if they do it again. Dirt racing is generally done at night for a reason. The sun's going to dry that track up. And I know Scott mentioned they're going to be watching the, the two weeks of uh, dirt track action they got there of how they maintain that track. But, again, in the evenings, it's a little different. You don't have to do as much work. NASCAR is going to have to uh, to watch that, and they're doing a great job of bringing in experts and looking at it and being prepared. They're going to have to do something to keep that track tacky and packed uh, so it doesn't uh, dry up and tear up. And the sun's going to do that on its own. Okay, I'll yes, take a breath indeed. now. <laughs> okay, Tommy. Any follow-up comments uh, based on what we've heard here? Um, I like the random draw to set the uh, the field for the heat lineup, and then the heat lineups or the finishing and passing points setting the field for the uh, future race. Um, I'm excited for the trucks, but I also wanted to add to it that I think. Bristol dirt is going to open up the door for maybe another potential uh, new winner uh, in the series, or I definitely think in the cup level, one of the dirt guys or current dirt guys is probably going to do really well, like Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson. But for the trucks, I'm thinking maybe Haley Deacon might could break through and get a win. Who knows? You know, it's, it's Bristol. It's the last great Coliseum. Anything can happen. Yes, indeed, and I throw uh, Sheldon Creed into that mix, too. Uh, he's an off-road racer, and I, I think he's going to be good on dirt. Um, so, yeah, that's what I kind of like about this. I think it's going to be an equalizer uh, that opens up the door for somebody who may not normally win to be able to come in and, and grab that victory. Uh, and I, I kind of see it kind of like um, – uh, what we used to say about the road racing, uh, the, there's a lot of drivers that maybe haven't had a lot of experience on dirt, uh, but the more NASCAR does this type of thing, uh, the more experienced they're going to become, and that's when it's really going to get exciting uh, to watch these guys uh, race on dirt. Uh, but for the first event, I think uh, this sounds like they've uh, put a lot of thought into it, I like the way it's set up, and, and I think fans have a lot to look forward to with both the Truck Series and the Cup Series there at uh, Bristol Dirt. I know Andy said he's going to be at the race. He's asking if anybody else is planning to go. Jay? Well, I know I, did, I, I didn't respond. I would love to go. Unfortunately, uh, I believe Jackson Motor Speedway or Capital City Raceway is opening that weekend, so I'm otherwise pre-engaged. Um, but I am, like I said, I, it's a roller coaster for me. I still have a few concerns. Um, but I also look at, and it was a caller at the end of the morning show, uh, you know, Bruton Smith wasn't just sitting, I think the guy said sitting on his toilet three weeks ago and said, hey, let's throw some dirt on this and see what happens. 
there has been a lot of planning, a lot of, uh, again, experts brought in, and a lot of consideration. That's not to say they won't run into a couple of hiccups. Welcome to dirt track racing. You're going to have that yep. uh, without a doubt. So You're right. The one thing, um, good and bad, a lot, of, a lot of good I do see of it. The one thing that I said uh, kind of brought a twist to it tonight with our guest uh, of Greg, Greg Ant is the fact that it affected some other series, which I hadn't considered uh, mm-hmm. or heard about as far as that. Um, the ARCA CRA Super Late Model Series is now not going to race at Bristol because of the time period they have the dirt on. So I, I was sad to hear that, but like he said, he's a fan and he's interested. Yeah, he wanted to race on it, uh, ran good there and was looking forward to it, but he's also a fan and wants to see what happens. So, uh, the, again, there's always a little bit of a negative side to it as well. Yeah, that's a good point, and he did bring that up. He was kind of disappointed uh, they'll be racing at Bristol later in the year, uh, but they won't have it in that early part of the year that he was looking forward to because uh, the track won't be in condition for them to race it. Uh, you know, it won't have recovered uh, from that uh, dirt being on the track. So uh, an interesting point there. Okay, Tommy, uh, you get the next hot topic. Okay, uh, let's let's jump into one that's been uh, in the Twitter world for a couple, well, I guess a week or so now. But let's go over Graxon and the Twitter stuff and everything. Ah, uh, yeah, Mike Joy put out uh, a tweet about that. Did you see that? Uh, yes, ma'am, I did. And then I saw where Graxon even kind of responded to. Oh, I didn't see Gregson's response. Um, I, was, okay, I, I was thinking the same thing. i got to pull this up. I did not see Gregson respond. Well, he didn't really respond. He kind of like, he tweeted on his own, but you, you can see his tweet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, what did he say? <laughs> so that we know. If, if you're talking about me, I'm doing my job, I think is what he said. Oh, Okay. Okay, Jay, you're first up. Okay, well, I, di- I did see that one, I, and you're right. It was kind of off on its own that I, I didn't know. It wasn't sure what he was talking about. That makes sense. Uh, one thing, and let me pull. i got five different things open here. I know Mike had responded under there. Um, did you want me to read the tweet from uh, Mike Joy? Yeah, if you've got it. I've got it up if you don't. No, I got it. Uh, Mike Joy put out, our sport has always had funded drivers, but it's high time a few of these privileged kids powered by daddy's pile of cash realize the whole sport doesn't exist just to make their dreams come true. Take some time to learn from those who work their way to the top. Um, reading it, truthfully, I understand his point. There are some. I don't know that I would put Gregson in that category because he is not funded by family money. Uh, he is having to earn and work his ride across the board. If I were going to list some that had family money and purely a ride for that reason, uh, he would certainly not probably even be in the top five, maybe not even in the top ten. And I know that Kevin Harvick, I said this isn't a new topic because uh, Kevin Harvick spouted that about fifth, uh, 
I don't know how far back, eight years maybe, uh, of a silver spoon referring to a grandson that's racing for uh, daddy's team. So, um, you know, there there is a valid point there. And I know right now, and we've had this talk uh, separately, I like the fact that Gregson is speaking his mind and not backing down, but uh, he's getting a little, gone a little over the top, I, I think. And like I said, I like the fact that he's not backing down from it, but I think uh, it could have been done and ended too with one or two interviews. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. May affect a ride down the future, but obviously he has not been, I don't want to say muzzled by team owner or sponsors because uh, he hasn't stopped. So uh, I like that. Uh, and, you know, fans have been screaming for that. We don't want a vanilla driver. We don't want a corporate answer. But yet when they get one that isn't that, then they're like, hey, this guy's out of line. I, and I think that's the bigger <laughs> issue here. Yeah. I, I, for me, I think it's more just having a, an appreciation and respect uh, sometimes. The way he comes across sometimes doesn't really show the respect. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind him. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, he could show some more respect. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, and I do think Gregson does bring some money to the table. I, I'm familiar with his dad. Uh, I know at one time they had a uh, luxury sports car uh, racing experience that they were doing out there in Las Vegas, uh, and his dad was very heavily involved with that. Uh, so there is some money from dad there uh, to put, kind of help fund his career, maybe not to the same degree as some other teams, but, but the money's there. Um, but, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of teams out there that are working really hard uh, to come from the bottom and, and to work their way through this sport. And uh, those guys are just as talented, if not more talented, uh, than some of the ones that have all that funding. But I, And I will say Ross Chastain kind of proved that uh, when he was given a chance to drive in some better equipment. He was going out there and winning some races. Uh, but one of the things that kind of comes with that is, you have to kind of be kind of scrappy at the back, and uh, you can't be that kind of scrappy when you get up to the front uh, necessarily. Uh, and a lot of drivers are kind of pushed back on that, I think, a little bit uh, to kind of put them in this place, if you will. But uh, I do think um, that he makes a good point, and there are a few of those guys that are out there. But I think one of the ones that are probably more vocal and why he probably thinks that Mike Joy might be talking to him is Noah Gregson. So, Tommy, I'm curious to know your thoughts about this topic. So I kind of agree with Jay and I agree with you too. So I like Gregson voicing his opinion and I also like how that Homestead interview where he was talking about going to get, uh, he was shouting out to a sponsor saying he was going to get some black rifle coffee and go to Bass Pro Shops to look at the fish. Like it, that was pretty <laughs> funny in my opinion. And, you know, it's entertaining. So fans want to see that. And I like that. And 
him being able to voice his opinion and go this far is another good thing in my opinion. However, I'm like you. I think you should show a little bit of respect. I mean, that's that's Mike Joy. <laughs> um, so, but Mike Joy has a really good uh, point, and um, because there are a lot of you know sons and grandsons that are racing in top equipment and less competitive guys or let more competitors in less equipment are proven that they can they should be in the top equipment competing as well. But um. Another thing, though, uh, I really, I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly happened at the end of that Homestead race, though, because that it did look like that guy had a flat tire and Gregson ran into the back of him, which was, it's just unfortunate. But I've been seeing a bunch of different stuff on Twitter as to saying, like, it, it wasn't flat, it was flat just some back and forth stuff. But, you know, all of this is entertaining for the fans. But at the same time, I don't want it to go too far. I'd rather it stay kind of neutral and be respectful. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, the, there is something to be said to to showing some respect and understanding where other teams are at. Uh, whether it's family money, money or not, Gregson has driven for some top-tier, well-funded teams. So mm-hmm. you're right there. Uh, I looked at Matt Benedetto, Alex Bowman, some of these guys that have come through some of these teams without the best equipment, had good runs, got attention. Okay? So there is that aspect of not knowing or understanding that. But it does come down to, and I think this was another one of his tweets, if people are talking about me, I'm doing my job. And, uh, you know, uh, we haven't seen Kyle Busch wear that hat as of late. Maybe uh, it's been passed along. <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if there's attention to the sport, and I want to say in a, in a super negative way, but a little bit, the the controversy, you know, you, you know, to have somebody in the white hat, you have to have somebody in the black hat uh, type deal. Um, and I think he's got the talent. And obviously, like I said, I think he is doing his sponsors proud because they have not said, hey, you need to shut up or we're going to back away from you. Um but I think he could at least a little bit be more understanding of where another driver or another team is at. Now, for Tommy, uh, they did say that, and I listened to David uh, David Starr's interview, that r- right front tire was cording. Uh, it didn't necessarily go flat, but it was cording and lost traction. He was trying to catch it. Uh, and that's where Gregson went on to say that if you were a talented driver or something to the effect of a talented driver, you'd have been able to know that and feel it and handle it and not wait till it got out of hand. Uh, so there again, kind of a kind of a shot, but a little bit of a point too. Uh, you know, it's one of those just unfortunate situations. Third year, third time in a row at Homestead, he had the winning car in my opinion. Clearly was going to win that race. Uh, you know, barring himself just running into the wall, which may have happened anyway um so that frustration that's there but that's also what drives a top driver i mean that you know and like i said that's what you want in a driver you don't want a driver that said oh well uh you know better luck next time i'll get a you know you want that fire of hey that was ours and it was taken from us via whatever the circumstances yeah, I would agree, Jay. There's there's no doubt that he is is a talented driver. Um, it, it's just that uh, sometimes I think he lets 
um, he gets impatient. Let's just put it that way. Sometimes I think he gets impatient and, and kind of overdrives the car just a little bit too much. And he sometimes ends up being his own worst enemy. Um, but once he gets that figured out, <laughs> if he gets that figured out, because uh, as we know, one of our other team members here feels that he should have had it figured out by now, but we know some of these other drivers have taken their sweet time and kind of figure some of these things out. Uh, but once Noah figures that out, I think he's going to be a talented, uh, fun driver to watch. But uh, he's just got to, to learn how to not go over the edge uh, on some of these situations because I think and, – and Homestead's a good example of that. Three times he was there, had the chance to win the race, and three times something happened. Uh, so uh, he just has to kind of uh, know when to go and know when to fold as, as that song goes, if you will. Uh, and and I think that'll make him uh, really good. One and I just want to bring up Marcus uh, Marcus Lamonis too. We talked about him earlier in the show uh, and what he's doing in the truck series. And we talked about some of the other drivers uh, that don't have that funding. And what Marcus Lamonis is doing by offering funding to some of these teams that aren't able to race, uh, I think is just fantastic and I think uh, and we talked a little bit about the fact too that a lot of these cars are catching up with the top tier teams now uh, from a parts perspective and that's a creating better parity within the sport as well so I think there's a couple of factors here uh, that make that less and less of a fact if you will Oh, and it's time for me to make my announcement, too. So before I go uh, back to you, Tommy, I will just remind uh, our listeners, uh, and especially our first-time listeners, that our show goes off the air at exactly 10.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, That means that we're going to be mid-sentence when it goes off the air. But just know that we will continue to record the rest of our conversations uh, for our podcast. What I do is I go out on Twitter to let everybody know that the podcast is available. If you've listened up to that 1030 mark, all you have to do is fast forward to the 1030 mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So uh, just a heads up that that's going to happen. Podcast listeners will be able to listen straight through. Uh, But, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts, uh, final thoughts on that topic? So I was just going to add to it that um, I said earlier that uh, the sons and grandsons do race in top equipment. Well, some of them have proven that they do deserve to be in those uh, cars because they've got a couple of victories. Um, but there are a lot that, that still need uh, or aren't as good in the top equipment and should probably, you know, work their way back through the series to to get back to where they are. I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but just, just saying in general that some of them do need to, to improve. But um, I also just wanted to add that I miss, like, Graxon voicing his mind to the, the media and doing those interview post-race interviews like that kind of reminds me of some of the interviews back in the old days that I missed, like, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt and all of them, not always as 
shouting out their sponsors, you know, saying stuff like rattle, rattle his cage and all that stuff. So it that's the entertaining part that I kind of like to, to Grax in doing all this. But at the same time, he, he should keep it respectful. Okay. Okay. Um, let's go to another new topic. And, Jay, you actually brought this one up on the uh, message board. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, I guess, uh, uh, on about the tech issues in the wheel well area, specifically the Fords. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what tech issues you're talking about uh, because we can't find anything that's been written about it, but apparently they've been talking about it on the TV shows and the radio shows. So... Uh, uh, let's kind of take that as our next topic. Tommy, have you heard some of that conversation? I was just wondering if it's about like the loose lug nuts, um, like for post race when they uh, when they're uh, going through the cars at the end of the race to make sure they pass inspection. Uh, is that what this is? And I was wondering, it, you know, there for a while. I remember a few years back. Uh, there was some talk about doing some things with the wheel well to leak the air a little bit to give them an advantage with the tire. Uh, I don't know if that's what you're talking about, Jay. Here, here's what what I can tell you from what I've heard. And like I said, it was on Race Hub. Uh, Chad Ganaus was on SiriusXM for an interview, and they never outright said what it was. Um, something in the in the gap in the wheel well. Uh, yes. From what from, from what I can understand, the gap in the wheel well of how they're bending or that fender is uh, bent or sits or something, something to that effect. And it went back to referencing Michael McDowell maybe getting away with something, uh, winning the Daytona 500, and they said it uh, Fords are maybe more affected by it looking at the season that Matt Benedetto and Ryan Blaney have had to start the season especially as I guess they put a focus on it at Homestead. And like I said, I cannot find anything specifically written about it, no warnings from NASCAR or any rule changes that I've seen come about as far as addressing it. But I know, like I said, Chad Knaus kind of talked about it. Then uh, Larry McReynolds and Jamie McMurray, I believe, were the two that talked about it on Race Hub as far as NASCAR's inspection of it is going to be more focused because it has become a highlight. Uh, you know, working in that gray area. Maybe it wasn't that they broke a rule, but NASCAR saying you're getting awful close, uh, you know, and I don't know if it has to do with going back to how they used to uh, to bend it, uh, what do they call it, crab in the car, shifting, shifting the car so it crab walked. Um, mm-hmm. But something to do, and it, it sounded like it was the, the right side, right rear wheel well, uh, the gap in there, something that's at least pushing the limits that NASCAR is watching a little more closely now. Okay, so you're talking about maybe skewing the car a little bit on the track. There's a, there's a good word. I remember hearing that when you used, yeah. Like I said, I, they never, nobody ever specifically said it, and I cannot find a word written about it. Okay, so Tommy, your thoughts about that? So you're saying this gave an advantage to Michael McDowell to winning the 500, but then it's affecting Ryan Blaney and Matt Benedetto. So I don't, I don't really know too much about the this wheel well area, but um, 
if this, it's weird that it, it affected Michael McDowell, it benefited him, but it's not doing good for Blaney and Matt Benedetto. Uh, I just want to add to this, I guess, um, and this has nothing to do with the loose slug nuts at the end of races or anything like that. Does that affect affect that at all? The wheel well. I I'm not an engineer, so again, I can't. You know, there's things that they do that I'm like, really, that helps. So I can't answer that. Yeah, uh, that's that's all I got. It's just it's awesome that it benefited uh, McDowell into winning the 500, but unfortunate for Bedetto and Blaney that it's affecting them in a bad way. And it, it kind of sounds to me, Jay, like maybe they're working within the gray area, um, but, you know, I don't know if they've gone beyond the rule. And that's what NASCAR is trying to determine at this point is, did they go beyond the gray area uh, and, and kind of violate the rules that NASCAR's put in place? So that would be the question that I would have about it. And the fact that everybody's talking about it kind of gives me the impression that maybe it's pretty close, if not going over the the line uh, with what they did. Uh, But I kind of get what Tommy's saying, too, that if if doing it is helping one driver – well, you're saying if one driver did it, the other drivers didn't do it, so that's why they're struggling. Is, is that what you're well, saying, Jay? Like I said, there, there, there's so much vagueness about it. Um, if if after Daytona that they noticed it on Michael McDowell's car, I know he was specifically referenced as one that it was looked at, that when they started kind of cracking down or saying, hey, we're going to keep an eye on this because you are getting close. Like you said, it's not that they have broken a rule, but they're working in an area that NASCAR is saying, hey, we're watching this, that mm-hmm. that kind of set the two uh, Penske Fords of, of Matt DiBenedetto and, and Ryan Blaney. And, you know, the Daytona 500, obviously, that that was a matter of attrition, so we don't know exactly as far as how well they ran there. And I don't know if it affects road courses, but – Uh, it came about following uh, Miami Homestead, that if they started watching them, that that kind of set those two Penske teams back. And and I I found it ironic because they pulled two out of the Penske that were struggling, that maybe those two teams were the ones toying with it where Keselowski and Logano weren't necessarily, although they didn't either one have great runs either. And it was Chad Canales in his interview um, that's the one that said that it was affecting Fords more than anybody else. And he did say also that the new generation uh, next-gen car coming out next year would partially take that away and not give even that opportunity because it's going to be a standard issue, body, parts, and whatever from NASCAR, and that you're not going to have as much room to play in that area. And you know Chad Canales, he said, you know, they're going to find somewhere else to go. So I think this is kind of an area where they were just they were messing with something, and NASCAR said, "Hey, we see you, and you're getting close. We're going to watch even closer now. Beware." Okay, yeah, that that does seem to be what they're saying. Um, and you know, talking about Chad Canales, I sometimes wonder if when he decides 
to uh, hang up his hat as a crew chief if they won't put him in the R&D center uh, because if anybody knows how to push that envelope to the very edge, uh, it would be Jack Canals. Um and, and I say that uh, with all due respect. He's a really, really smart guy, and uh, I think he would be a good guy to have in that R&D center uh, to catch some of these things that are maybe going up a little bit too far. So, uh, any any follow up comments, uh, Tommy? Yeah, I was just going to add to it how last week Brad Keselowski, Busher, Logano were all running up front at the beginning of the race, and then towards the end they weren't. I think the only were was it uh, Newman and Custer and Harvick that ended up like in the top 15 probably I think and then the rest of the mm-hmm. Fords kind of struggled so that's, that's that's interesting I didn't even think of it like that uh, until, until Jay brought that up that not only did the Dedededo and Blaney struggle but uh, as did Kozlowski and Logano but Busher won the first stage and then he didn't even um, did he finish in the top 20 I think he did but I don't think he got 15 out of it, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, you just brought Jack and Alice would be good at the research and development, but um, maybe he would replace Larry McReynolds because well, I, I really, I'll, I'll miss Larry Mack when he retires, but somebody just as smart as him needs to replace him too. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, Jay, did you have a final word on this? Well, I think right now, again, you talk about his position. He is now, he has, a, a, I guess, temporarily anyway, hung up the crew chief side of overall competition director there for Hendrick Motorsports. And we've seen that, the Hendrick Chevrolets, again, I believe they all four start in the top 10 here coming up at Las Vegas and had top finishes at uh, Homestead, Miami. Uh, he's putting that use, Rick Hendrick's putting that to use uh, across all his teams there versus just one. Uh, for his team, so you know they, you're gonna have to lure him away from there. Um, that that's kind of the impression I got though from all of it is, is that, like I said, NASCAR is just saying, hey, we got our eye on you, uh, and for whatever reasons, you know, it's one of those things of why it would would affect the Fords more than some of the other teams. It wasn't saying the other teams weren't doing it. It was that it was affecting the Fords differently. And if they said, hey, keep an eye on it and watch it they backed off a little bit that kind of affect their performance. Um, and I don't know if it, you know, you mentioned how they started out running good. If it's, it, that's a matter of it's a short term fix or a short run advantage versus a long run, long term, or it goes away. Uh, like I said, there was nothing ever specific said. And I get the strong feeling, like I said, it was, you know, within that gray area, but they were approaching it. No rule was broken. Nobody got penalized but there was just so much talk about it that I, I think that, you know, NASCAR said, hey, you know, find somewhere else to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. I kind of brought that one up, Jay, so if you want to bring up the next top topic, that would be fine. All right. Uh, let's see. I think there was still one left over from the other night. Trying to look well, back as far as that drivers for the broadcast. Oh, okay. Um, 
I, I did look at it real quick. Uh, one thing I will say, I do like that, of talking about driver analysts for the, uh, the Xfinity Series and Truck Series telecast. I do think it adds a great addition to it, uh, depending on the driver, the amount. But uh, I really enjoyed Tony Stewart being up there, and I know I think he's scheduled for a couple more. Um, we've seen that in the past. I know it helps each driver, their foundation. Normally they get a benefit out of it, whether it even just being on TV to shout out their foundation and what they're doing. Uh, that's part of why they do it. They love the sport. That's the other part. So I'm are up there. I, I know I heard Joey Logano talk about this, of the respect for a broadcast. It's not just the camera there. It's like, okay, they videoed us. You know, the amount that goes into a broadcast of any sort. Uh, so shout out here to Sharon putting on this uh, radio broadcast for us. Uh, you know, what what all goes with that? And, and I think they really do enjoy it. I mean, uh, they they get to watch. Sometimes it's, again, they maybe pick a track they want to watch and see what happens uh, versus being on the track if they can't be on the track. You know, I'm sure in the driver's mind, they're, they're, they got their own agenda to it as well. But they've all done, uh, I think, a great job with it. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? I agree with Jay. Uh, Stewart and Kurt Busch have been doing a great job. They've already done a couple races this year, and they're it, it's awesome having them in the booth. I've, I think both of them are doing great. I think I've even seen Chuck and Allison there with them doing it too. But uh, I saw where Bubba Wallace and Kevin Harvick are going to do uh, the Xfinity in Darlington, I think. And Bubba's also going to do Circuit of the Americas which uh, both of those will be awesome. And, uh, I mean, you see Bubba and stuff, but uh, I've never seen him in the booth, so that would be exciting. And another one I saw that I'm interested in is Ryan Blaney. Um, I I grew up watching Dave Blaney in the 77 and 93 car and then the Caterpillar car. So now I get to watch his his son race, and um, it's awesome that he's going to be in the booth. And uh, I think even joining Ryan Blaney and one of them will be Tyler Reddick, and uh, I think it was maybe Atlanta. So can't. I'll have to circle that one and watch that one. Yeah, I, I kind of like that they've got the mix of, uh, you know, Drew Blickensdurfer in here as well. Uh, he's uh, he's uh, one of the crew chiefs. And uh, to have his perspective, I think, really adds a lot as well as all of these drivers uh, that we're talking about. The one I'm kind of looking forward to is Phoenix when they have uh, Joey Logano and Daniel Suarez together. Daniel's uh, raced at Phoenix quite a bit. He's a uh, Mexico Series uh, champion, and uh, he's raced at Phoenix in the Canon Pro Series. He's raced in, you know, all the series with NASCAR and uh, now with the Cup Series. So I think he's going to bring an interesting perspective as well. And I remember when we had Daniel on our show, uh, he would uh, bring up, um, he would bring up that uh, he was not sure if we understood what he was saying. And I thought even then he spoke very clearly. So I uh, uh, definitely think that uh, uh, he is going to be interesting to see what he has to say at that race. But all of them do such a great job, and I think that's fantastic. 
Unfortunately, uh, Tommy, I'm getting a message here from Jay that he's been disconnected for whatever reason. Um, and so once you get disconnected after uh, after the 1030 mark, you, you can't call back into the show. So it's just you and me for right now. So uh, what are your thoughts about that roster, uh, your follow-up thoughts there? I like having the drivers uh, in the booth in the Xfinity and trucks. Uh, it's interesting getting their perspective, especially since they'll be racing on Sunday. And um, Michael Waltrip will get some company in there for the trucks. I was looking at that. And then I, for, I kind of forgot about Suarez being in Phoenix until you brought it up. So that, that'll that be interesting. Um, I like I, I like Suarez. Uh, he's I hope he does good this year at Track House because he's been kicked around a lot in the series because he did yeah. win a championship with Joe Gibbs in the Xfinity series. So, but yep. um, I think all of them do a good job. And I, like I said, I can't wait to see Ryan Blaney and Bubba hit the booth and Bubba doing it with Harvick and, <laughs> at Darlington is going to be awesome. Yeah, I think those are going to be good ones. Um, Jay did write a comment here. Uh, and he said, seeing a driver's personality outside of the car is pretty cool, and it also brings something uh, new to the fans as well. Uh, it gives them a chance to get to know that driver, I guess, when they can see their uh, personality there. So uh, that's, a, that's kind of an interesting t- uh, point as well. Yes, I agree. I agree with Jay. Um like I said, it, you get their perspective of the Xfinity and truck race, and then they'll hit, they'll be in the car on Sunday, so the fans kind of get get to see what exactly that driver's thinking. Yeah, I think it's a good thing for the sport all the way around, without a doubt. Okay, Tommy, did you have another topic that you wanted to bring up? Yes. So since we were talking about the heat races with Bristol, I was going to bring up the one from Monday that we had kind of left out. And that is that the week before Bristol, there's going to be um, a lot of uh, other dirt races and some of, you know, the uh, cup guys and truck guys will be competing in it. Like Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, I believe I saw where uh, Matt Crafton was going to do one too. So some of them are going to be and Oh, Kyle Larson's going to do one now too, I think. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I'm surprised that NASCAR didn't put a caveat on that because I think previously when we've had this type of a situation, NASCAR's kind of told them that they could not, uh, you know, be in any of those types of events. But it seems like they've kind of relaxed their thoughts about that and they're allowing these guys uh, to get some practice in uh, with uh, some of these dirt races that are taking place at Bristol before uh, their cup race on that Sunday. So I think it's okay. I, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. I think it's going to bring a lot of attention to those other races uh, that are taking place that maybe uh, attention that they would not have gotten otherwise uh, because they've got cup series drivers that are going to those races and participating. So I think there's a lot of positives to uh, them being able to do that. Plus it's going to help them to be 
a little more successful, I guess, on the track during the race. The bad part, the downside, of course, is those teams that don't have the funds to be able to do that. Uh, it gives them a competitive disadvantage uh, for that race that takes place on Sunday. So uh, looking at uh, Jay's comments, he says that he likes it, but some fans are upset taking spots from locals, uh, but names bring fans. Uh, but he feels like he, those cup drivers are taking uh, spots that might be normally taken by some of the local racers. So what are your thoughts on that, Tommy? Um, well, I agree with you, but I also wanted to add that um, Clint Boyer had a had some points uh, from his interview with uh, on the dirt that he did the other day. And that was this, um, well, first off, so not only do we get heat races in the truck, uh, truck race, and then the Sunday race for Bristol, but we're also going to get a whole nother week beforehand of six days of racing. So we're racing to watch, but um, Mm -hmm. he also said that NASCAR is going to use it for, they'll be looking at the track. They'll be monitoring the track and they'll, they'll be studying it to see how it'll handle their race weekend. So that, I think that's a benefit to having it. And then kind of like you, uh, they're taking away spots of some of these super late model guys and stuff, but it also will make them more competitive. And then like you said, more fans will go out there because I think the picture of Kyle Busch's car is, I think he, isn't he going to run the M&M scheme for a super late model or is that just an old photo? But either way, people are going to go out there to watch Kyle Busch probably win a dirt race. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. I think, I think it is, even though it does take some of the local drivers off the track, um, a lot of fans are going to show up to watch these big name drivers for sure. Uh, again, uh, I'm reading some of Jay's comments here. Uh, he says uh, it will increase performance of the cup race. Think joint dirt asphalt partnership is a good thing overall for the sport of racing. And participating on here, oh, isn't this <laughs> fun? Uh, yeah, he, he prefers to be on the radio show versus doing this uh, through a text message. But, uh, uh, you know, he brings up some good points. You bring up some good points. Um, But overall, I think it's all going to be good for the sport. And uh, it's going to be good for those local races uh, ahead of time. And uh, did you just bring this up or did I see this somewhere else where the fact that I think you just brought it up, Tommy. The fact that NASCAR is going to be studying the track throughout those events, uh, and that's going to help them do a better job of managing the track during the cup race. I think that's an excellent point as well. So what's your follow-up on it, Tommy? Uh, I'm just excited for six six extra days of racing, I think Clint Boyer said. And then I like Jay's yep. comment here about it too. Like, like Kyle Busch needs a reason to race something or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Any chance but, they get, uh, right? I did want to add too that um, Austin Dillon, Matt Kraft, and Larson and Bush are the ones that have signed up for these races. But uh, that's going to give them 
extra practice versus some of the guys that aren't going to do it. So that'll be a factor too. Yeah, it definitely will be a factor. Um, so uh, they'll be the ones that uh, a lot of fans will be watching uh, all week. And then, of course, on that Sunday when they race in the Cup Series, because it is going to be a little bit different racing those local events versus racing in a Cup car, because Cup cars are so much heavier than other race cars. So it does make a huge difference. Um, so we are at the end of uh, our time here. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Unless you got something quick, we've got five minutes left. Uh, well, let's take a look. Um, uh, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I've- I just went back to the dirt one because we were already talking about that, so I wanted to bring that up. But, yeah, I think we think we hit them all. Okay. So we'll go ahead and do the roundtable. I know Jay uh, is Mopar MJ8, I think it is, on Twitter, and uh, Michael Huseman on Facebook. And uh, I think he still works on that Chase Elliott article for us. And uh, I hope we get that sometime this week, and uh, we'll be putting that up. And, uh, Tommy, then we'll go to you for your roundtable spiel. Uh, Still working on getting my social media, working towards more so NASCAR versus just being my personal accounts. So, But um, I do want to add that I will have two articles coming out soon, one on Christopher Bell and one on the Bristol Dirt Race. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Yes, indeed. We should have those published uh, sometime tomorrow uh, for uh, fans to to take a look at. And uh, I think uh, they'll enjoy those articles. Uh, We do have the power ranking up from Owen and the recap from the Homestead race up from uh, uh, Sam. So uh, fans can take a look at those articles. And uh, I really enjoyed our conversation earlier tonight with Greg Van Alt. Uh, We actually went overtime talking to him. Uh, We kind of got into the conversation, and I lost track of the time there. But uh, we had a good conversation, and uh, definitely looking forward to talking to him sometime again next month. Uh, He'll be talking with us on a monthly basis. Uh, He gave us some really good uh, things, takeaways uh, from his Daytona race, even though he he didn't get the finish he was hoping for for the time that he was on the track and the time that he was running good. Uh, he, he had some really good key learnings from that that he'll take to uh, Talladega, and he also has a, a CRA race that he's late model race that he's got uh, going on. So uh, listen to that segment uh, during the first half hour uh, to learn more about Greg Van Alts in the Arkham Menard series. Um, and uh, I am fan for racing site on Twitter and fan for racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media and uh, definitely looking forward to Las Vegas. I think we're going to see uh, some more fun races. I've really enjoyed the racing so far this season and uh, I expect nothing less than that uh, going into Las Vegas this weekend. So uh, just uh, know that our fan for racing group has a uh, 
race day chat, but there's also a chat feature available at fansracing.com if fans want to get on there and chat during the race. Uh, feel free to do so, and uh, you can do that. Uh, there's a tab at the top, and you can just use that race day chat uh, room to uh, chat about the race if you want. We'd love to see your thoughts uh, throughout the event. So with that, I think we're ready to give a shout-out to our listeners and to our Fan for Racing crew for all that you do. We appreciate everybody who tunes in to hear what we have to say, and I appreciate all of our Fan for Racing crew for taking part in what we do here. So uh, with that, I think we're ready to call it a night, Tommy. Thanks for having me again, and uh, have a nice night, everybody. Okay, good night, Tommy. And we'll see you Mm -hmm. next week on the other side. Yes, ma'am. See you. Thank you. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.